0: Welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's episode 99. It's a very extreme episode. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, Mr. Extreme himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland,
1: is with me. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you doing this fine Sydney morning? I'm doing really, really well, and I am excited
0: to be starting a whole new tangent on the Moonshots journey. I mean, are you just a little bit excited to start on a fresh innovator, a pioneer, but also a rather surprisingly
1: good author too. Oh, I I think you've, you've danced around it a little bit. I think our listeners can't wait to find out who we're going to be covering today. But before I reveal, you're right. We've gone into a lot of author series. We've listened to entrepreneurs. We've listened to real big thinkers like Taleb. Today, we're really going to focus on stepping a little bit outside into an area that perhaps might be some some surprising elements to our listeners. But ultimately, the truth is it's all so relevant for what you and I talk about each week. You can take skills from a number of different industries and sectors and apply it into our business. So today, Mike, shall I reveal who we're going to be covering? Do it. Go on. Today, episode 99 is Jocko Willinks and Leif Babbins. Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win.
0: Hoo-ha! I mean, what is so exciting about, uh, some call him Jocko, uh, if you use the uh, correct Dutch pronunciation, it's actually Jocko. Um, But um, Jocko Willink is... Um, Without doubt, someone bringing us some really fresh thinking because much like we've noted that the athletes that we've studied, like Michael Jordan, uh, David Goggins, Serena Williams, what's really interesting is that when you study uh, folks who've been in the military or in sports, what's really interesting is they're so good at breaking down really common rules, lessons and wisdom to help us do well in life, to help us be the best version of ourselves. And in particular, they all seem to tackle this idea of pushing through barriers, this idea of, you know, embracing the discomfort, as uh, Joe Rogan put it, like learning how to get comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think we're really odds on for an absolute bevy of learnings from Yoko Willink, who was Uh, a really honoured and recognised member of the armed forces. He has um, brought his thinking not only in his book, he is really a thought leader when it comes to these concepts of ownership, of really taking upon yourself full and complete responsibility and owning the result. And I would put to you, Mark, that whilst it might sound a little extreme, uh, some of the ideas he talks about, uh, some of the lessons that he has learned, that all comes from the fact that he has been in the most extreme situation. I mean, the stakes don't get any higher when folks are shooting at you, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think it's worth remembering, and particularly as I was reading the book and getting into, into all of these great business lessons from, from um, a SEAL perspective, you and I have our own battlefields. You know, we have our own form of uh, dodging um, aggression or, or challenges at work. And I feel as though this insight that we're going to learn about today about ownership is something that you and I have discussed a few times on the podcast before. And it's so relevant in how we operate that it seems, it seems so incredibly um, rich to go and listen to how it Benefits another sector of life, and mm. learning how we can apply it into our own sector is is, is just a, a fascinating little process. I think it really
0: is. So so, for a lot of our listeners, he won't come with sort of that that thoughtful, elegant, uh, almost delicate uh, nature of say a Malcolm Gladwell. So um, get ready for some some big, you know. Exactly what you would expect uh, from a Navy SEAL, um, bold, uh, you know, sharp-elbowed thoughts, but I promise to you and all of our listeners there is so much to be taken from this idea of extreme ownership. There is so much for us in our work as, um, you know, innovators, as product creators. Look, just being good people, it's all there for us. So, Mark, shall we just dive in? Should we hear from the two authors of Extreme Ownership? Should we go on a rip-roaring journey into taking full and complete ownership?
1: Yes, please. Let's hear an introduction from Jocko Willing and Leif Babin on what makes a great team.
2: I started recognizing like what works and what doesn't, and re- but it wasn't really until task a bruiser. We'd have, you know, training instructors be like, you guys are the best task unit we've ever seen come through here. And it was interesting to me because we have some amazing guys in this task unit. But I had amazing guys in my last task unit too. So it's not really a, the talent factor that broke us out. It certainly wasn't that we didn't make mistakes because we made all kinds of mistakes in task a bruiser and disastrous training operations where we had to come back and revamp our training process and, and, and make sure that we dialed in standard operating procedures. Just okay. what training supposed exactly. to be. Exactly. And right? Exactly. That's the difference, really. Yeah, and that was it. It was it was this idea that we now call extreme ownership, which is we're going to take ownership of this and instead of being like, hey, we're going to push back against people that are telling us we need to be better or we're going to maybe even deny that we're as bad as we are, we're going to take a brutally honest, assessment of ourselves, you don't ever tell my guys, they're amazing, that's the best one they've ever seen, because that allows us to not get better, to not grow, to get complacent. So we always did that, and I recognized just how powerful that was to our performance. So again, we were never flawless. We always made we made mistakes, but we learned from those mistakes. We got better, we grew all the time, and we were able to run circles around everybody else as a result, and, and deliver some exceptional performance on the battlefield with that attitude. And that's you know, that, that mindset and attitude is, is the game changer. Why we call the book Extreme Ownership, uh, and it's what we impart to people as, 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 we, as we, we see in the business world. And it, there's at the end of the day, there's what works, and there's what doesn't work in your business, and it's also in your life, dude. What can you do a little bit better? You attack
3: those problems. You accept the criticism when it comes at you, which is so hard for everyone to do, myself included. You accept the criticism, listen to it, and then you modify it. You make these little iterative changes, and at the end, instead of being a decent tasking before instead of being a decent person, instead of running a decent team, you can be the best.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you this one would be uh full of energy and purpose, <laughs> but um do you know what I kind of like there is you know, they were both talking about the fact that even in the Navy SEAL, things go wrong. But I I really think at the beginning of this journey, they're inviting us to accept criticism, to accept that things go wrong and don't run away from it. What they're saying is you've got to run into that feeling. Don't reject criticism. Don't, Don't sort of avoid those tough conversations. I think they're saying, "All right, roll your sleeves up and get into it." And I think that's the start of the empowerment that comes with uh, what Leaf and Yoko did in extreme ownership. I think this is where it begins, Mark.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Actually, I think once you have the confidence and the awareness to own up to something when it goes a little bit sideways, maybe once you take ownership of what's yours and what's your team's, and you know, maybe a mistake happens from your teammate, you can still own up to that. You can still own the scenario because it's part of your team. Once you go through that process and you're aware of it and you um, accept it, I think it just allows you to have a much stronger foundation to learn from and then maybe do it better the next time.
0: Absolutely right. And it sets us up for a journey in this show to be talking about uh, lessons on teamwork, how to lead and some of the, the very personal things that you can do to embrace uh, extreme ownership, things such as discipline and how to kind of break things down in, in a simple way, all of that is ahead of us in the show today. So we got so much ground to cover, and I think where we want to start this is around the notion of teamwork. And it's so damn important that if teams wanna go places in this world, and I'm not just talking about Navy SEALs, I'm talking about teams at work and you're a team at home too. If teams wanna go places, it all starts with a very, very interesting idea, which is owning up to failures.
3: Unlike a team where no one takes ownership of the problems and therefore the problems never get solved with us, Everyone took ownership of their mistakes. Everyone took ownership of the problems. And when a team takes ownership of its problems, the problems get solved. And that is true on the battlefield, it is true in business, and it is true in life. So I say, Take ownership. Take extreme ownership. Don't make excuses. Don't blame any other person or any other thing. Get control of your ego. Don't hide your delicate pride from the truth. Take ownership of everything in your world, the good and the bad. Take ownership of your mistakes, take ownership of your shortfalls, take ownership of your problems, and then take ownership of the solutions that will get those problems solved.
1: I mean, what a powerful clip. (laughs) You know, again, you're getting this energy from uh, Jocko coming through here in in one of his really well-known TED Talks, actually. And Mike, for me, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty in my past of maybe pointing fingers, of looking mm. for excuses, and ultimately, you know, maybe even trying to blame others. And what happens is it wastes time. It wastes energy, resources, uh, emotion. You know, you can't do your best work if you're distracted with that level of anxiety. And I think what's really, really um, a powerhouse tip that I think is coming through in, in, in this this clip here is once you own up to it, you can move on. You can take it one step further and go from the problem into the solution.
0: That's right. And I mean, it's so easy to blame others, isn't it? You know, our pride and ego are saying, oh, it can't be me. It must be everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And blame is just such a dangerous thing. And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. And it's so important just to, I mean, I love this idea of checking your ego at the door. And just saying, I'll own it, I'll own it all and I really want to get a solution here. Um, and remembering that what I do when I'm trying to invoke that thing where I am say, okay, I'm going to take full responsibility, full ownership, particularly when things have not gone right, mm. is I try to remind myself that this is actually taking the high road even though it's so tempting it's like your your ego's like just blame them it was them but ask yourself what could i have done better how could i have contributed so whether it's myself or someone else doesn't make a mistake how do i own it and own it all for me just starting with that simple point that i must take the responsibility and I always just try and do this thing where I'm like, this is this is the actual high ground, all right. Although it's v- violently uncomfortable. Okay, it's on me. It's on me. And you'll notice that, Mark, the greatest uh, sports coaches in the world, even if a player in a big world championship final moment makes a mistake, they will say, the coach will say, I didn't prepare that player well enough. It's on me. And I think that's what extreme ownership looks like.
1: And I think whether you're a sportsman, whether you're in the Navy SEALs or whether you're in business, all of these elements, you know, when you accept and take ownership of, of challenges and problems, you're showing your colleagues trust. You're building trust and respect in them. And this next clip that we've got is again from Jocko telling us about relationships, all of these teammates, Navy SEALs, Army colleagues day to day, are uh, as well as home life forming these relationships. So this next clip is telling us that trust is really, really key when you start owning those problems and developing those relationships.
2: So how do you build those kind of lasting and useful relationships?
3: Yeah, this is, when, when I say that relationships are the most important thing in getting things done, when I look back at my career in the Navy and the SEAL teams, just about every single thing that I ever did was through relationships. So the amount of times that I looked at one of my subordinates and said, no, you will do what I'm saying because I'm in charge. I don't think I actually honestly ever said that one single time. I think it was always, hey, this is what we gotta get done. How do you think we should do it? Do you think this is smart? And it was all based on relationships and up the chain of command too. There was never a time that one of my bosses said, hey, Jocko, shut up and you do what I told you to do. There was never a time that one of my bosses said that to me. There was, you know, if I had a question, if I pushed back, they gave me legitimate answers. If they didn't have good answers, then they would modulate or change what it is that they were telling me to do. So this idea of having relationships up and down the chain of command, and and there's a word that people bring up a lot and I think they're pretty interchangeable and in it's relationships and trust, right? It's rela- trust is built on relationships, relationships are built on trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust me, we don't really have a relationship. Right. The more deeply you trust me, the better relationship we have. So how do I build trust with you? So if you're above me in the chain of command, well, this, and this is one of those uh, answers that's so obvious it's, it's crazy, but people actually fail to do this, which is if, if you ask me to do something as my boss, I do it, and I do it well, and I do it consistently. And I go above and beyond what you ask. And if you want me to deliver this project by this date, I deliver it earlier and I deliver it to the best of my ability above and beyond what you expected. And you say, oh wow, when I ask Jocko to do something, he actually does it. And that's where it starts. It starts with that right there, with me performing, me offering advice, me me taking what you asked me to do and doing it, that's the number one thing. If we flip those roles and now I'm in charge of you, how do I build trust with you? Well, what I do is I give you a project. And instead of me giving you a project and then saying, hey, here's how I want you to do this and here's how I want you to do the next part, instead I say, hey, here's a project. Let me know how you want to do it. And then you go figure out how you want to get done. And I don't micromanage you and I don't ask you a million questions about it and, and, and tell you, no, don't do it like that, do it like this. I let you do it. And what does that tell you? That tells you that I trust you. Hmm.
0: This idea of trust and relationships is essential because Mark, how good does it feel when you ask someone to take care of something, to do a project, to even just complete a task on your behalf and they do it and they do it well?
1: feels pretty good, right? I mean, there's almost nothing that beats that feeling of just, it's kind of like a relief, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the next time they do it well, so day after day, week after week, and that is the momentum of a great team. And it's so fascinating that it all comes down to the trust in that relationship. So I always I always try and visualize when I when someone asks me to do something that it's like a tennis match and they've hit the ball over to me and that we're like in a rally so it's essential that i get the ball back to them and that i do it as most as complete as possible and i think that the the big opportunity for things to go wrong is when the ball that was hit to me is a little bit unclear and i think that the trust bit is about having the conversation of, hey, I want to follow up on this and find out what you really meant. Or you said this, but as I look at it, it looks like it's something completely different. And I think this is the opportunity to build the trust. And I think uh, this is also the opportunity where relationships uh, break down because if you will, this tennis match between two players, this baseline rally uh, between two tennis players in a team is is really where it all can can go very wrong when people don't really talk about and build the trust around the mission, the task, and the project. So nobody's really happy at the end, and I think, therefore, the trust is broken.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Once you lose that trust, that trust is broken, it's going to be hard to rebuild it, isn't it? To mm. reconnect those individuals and those mindsets.
0: Mm. And you know uh, what I um what I what I think is an interesting exploration is to explore this dynamic that was in the clip from Ioko which is is talking about uh, the perception of two people. And I think if you remember the feeling of when people haven't delivered things you felt like they committed to and you you're just like oh well, I don't want to ask them to do anything else because I just don't yeah. trust that it'll get done in the same way. When anything comes to you, you have to remember there is a chance that someone might perceive exactly the same of you. So how can you proactively go after that to set, agree, discuss, even maybe negotiate expectations up front and throughout the process so that you can keep the alignment and keep the trust? Because for me, it's always that moment when someone says, oh, I thought you meant that you wanted it like this, not like that. And if only they'd built the trust and the alignment there, then they would have got the thing done. They would have looked at each other and said, wow, I can count on you. We're a team. Let's do more stuff. Mm. And then what often happens at work on the sports field is when someone's not there to hit the ball back, when when it doesn't quite work out, the trust breaks. And it takes forever to build trust, but it can be gone. In an instant.
1: And, and I like just to, to build on that. I love the awareness. We're, we're going to listen to a lot of clips today around taking ownership when problems arise. And instead of delaying and losing that trust, you own it and therefore you keep on maintaining that cadence. But actually, what I quite liked about what you just referenced there, Mike, is owning it at the beginning of the chain. So before mm. you go out and begin creating a deliverable own the briefing own the okay well hang on let me just double check that i've interpreted it the same as you so i deliver that i'm owning it from point a all the way through to point z when i deliver it or maybe there's a problem i like that as a as a a consideration as we go through um, this concept of extreme ownership i like that
0: and can you imagine if everybody starts to take ownership in a team. So everyone's making sure that everyone's aligned, the expectations are there. Every day people are delivering things and building up that trust in the team. To me, this really takes us to a point of where we can all demonstrate our own leadership. And you know what? Yoko has got more thinking for us around leadership in the context of this team. And it would not be an official... Yoko's statement if it wasn't positive, if it wasn't dynamic. So let's listen now to Yoko Willink
3: and how we can be unstoppable. When you do take ownership of a situation, it starts to spread through the organization. If I say to my team, hey guys, this wasn't your fault. This is my fault. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. My team looks at me and says, oh, you know what? We should have done a better job. They don't say, yeah, you're right, it's your fault. They don't do that. They say, we should have done a better job. I should have owned this. I should have stepped up. And now you start to have an organization where everyone on the team takes ownership and that's a totally different, that is when you become unstoppable.
1: I mean, the power of an industry or a a business where every single unit is like a worker ant. Everybody's got a job and they own it (laughs) and they go and deliver it to the best of their ability. I I just think about, you know,
0: how we see this great teams at work, they have this history, which is essentially a trust built on continuous meeting or exceeding of expectations. And that always happens when, you know, people take ownership. So for me, this is sort of the framework that ties it together. You know, the starting point is you just need to take full ownership, full responsibility. And then every exchange with your peers and your colleagues is a moment to build that trust. And when you do it, teams build this momentum, you know, as as Yoko said, they become unstoppable. So, I mean, this is such a great um, sort of a great field by which we can apply because I mean, we all work in some sort of team. Uh, Even if we're sort of the mad scientist who produces things, you still have to interface with the world. And every single one of those things is a relationship that can go better if there's trust. And I think this is this is so good because when you're on the on the battlefield these lessons both good and bad they 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 become so clear and obvious and I think he's giving us some of the most important things with all of this uncertainty around us at work at the moment taking ownership is the perfect elixir isn't it?
1: yeah absolutely because you're working remote maybe you're not seeing your colleagues as much as you are day to day or in fact you know if you think about relationships maybe you're seeing your family or your partner more regular than you normally would and at the same time maybe you're um trying to keep aligned and this ownership again translates from the battlefield of of war into all of these scenarios around us particularly when you're in um maybe you're working more from home and therefore around others or maybe less than others. When you communicate, uh, and, you know, Mike, you and I have talked about this this before, when you communicate really, really efficiently and make sure that you understand what's being given to you. And again, I love that tennis, the, 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 the game of tennis where mm. the ball is jumping over the net. You know, I love that this has come back round because you're quite right. When you can see the ball is in your court, and you know that it's your turn to respond to it, then both sides are are feeling comfortable. Mm. You know, there's no anxiety bubbling up within you thinking where you're wondering and thinking, okay, well, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Is it? I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure anymore. <laughs> and when you own it, that's where, you know, this level of, of um, uh, understanding really comes through. So, Again, in the theme of kind of leadership and, and teamwork, we've got another clip here, Mike, that I think is, is a really great one. And it's stepping away from the, um, the day-to-day, you know, um, worker one to worker two, and actually thinking about it from a leadership perspective. And this next clip we're going to hear is Jocko telling us about how to lead people and how leaders need to believe in all members of their team.
3: And another misconception about the military is people don't do exactly what you say. You have to lead and sell and do all the other things that happen in the corporate world. Absolutely, so the, whether you're in the SEAL teams or whether you're in the Army or the Marine Corps, the people that are working for you are not robots. They're people, and you cannot give them orders and expect them to just execute like a robot would. And the worse your plan is thought out, the less response you're gonna get. And just like in business world, the less input I get from you, as we create this plan, the less apt you are to execute it correctly. So when, when it comes time, when you have to go execute something, I want you to plan it. I'm not gonna plan it for you. I want you to plan it. Now I'm gonna come and check out your plan and we'll collaborate to make sure it's the best plan because maybe I have more experience than you or maybe I have some strategic vision that you don't have. But I want you to plan it. That way you own it. And if you own it, when you go to execute it, you're gonna put that much more effort into it. That, that's hard to quantify, but that's real. That is real. If you come up with a plan, you're going to put more effort and more pride in executing that plan than if I come up with a plan and I give it to you to, and tell you to execute it. That's just a reality. I don't, I don't, I don't care who you are. That's a reality. So that type of thing is is absolutely true. And the other piece of this is this idea of you know just that we're going to order everyone to do what what to do and they're just going to do it. If the military was like that, then military leadership would be the easiest thing in the world. It, it would be so easy because you just tell your guys what to do and they go do it. And guess what? Being a business leader would be the easiest because I, I was having this conversation. I always have this conversation, which is, you know, my guys wouldn't just do what I told them because I outranked them. And they, I kind of get that funny. Look, I let me ask you this. I'm here because your employees aren't doing what you want them to do, right? Can you just fire them? Well, you can't realistically fire them, but. Don't they work for you? Aren't they supposed to follow you because you're in charge and you write their paycheck? But all of a sudden, they're not doing what you tell them to do. Why is that? It's the same exact reason, because they're people. And guess what? People want to own their own destiny. They want to be in charge of what's happening. They want to take ownership. They want to create the plan. That's how they want to go through life. They want to go through life being treated like a robot. They want to be treated like a human.
0: Mm, we all want to own it. I think that is so perfect, Mark. In the end, nobody wants to turn up and be a robot. People want a sense of ownership because I believe from that is where satisfaction, fulfillment, pride, it all comes from. I took ownership, I delivered, I feel good. It's, it's really that simple. And so if you can make this shift, if you can get this aha moment that in fact everybody does want to take ownership, you have to give it to them. You have to nurture and help and support and coach and mentor. But actually, from a default position, almost everybody wants to take ownership. And therefore, when you give them something to own, you are showing that you believe in them. But I actually think the most important thing is how you support, how you inspire, coach, train them. Don't just throw it at them and say, good luck with that. How you can help them master it. I I truly believe... This is some of the very core tenets of leadership, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you're right. I, and I am I, reminded of, of Michael Jordan and how he would, you know, not necessarily lead from a, a, a point of authority, but he led through his example. He mm. would practice all the time. He would be hard on the court. He would, you know, strike fear in his opponents and, and even his play as, as teammates, as we heard. And that's mm. all because he was owning it. He was owning his role in the team as a teammate. And he was owning this, um, this part of himself being one of the greatest players of all time. And it inspires those around you. You know, like we heard earlier, ownership is infectious. Once you start right. doing it, once you see other, other people doing it, you're inspired by them. And exactly as Jocko's just calling out there, we all want to own it. People want ownership. If you can go and learn from doing it yourself and own that plan, he's right it will be much, much simpler for the business to grow when the people who are actively creating or actioning that innovation or change are the ones who came up with the plan themselves. Mm,
0: Yeah, Uh, I mean, if you are the author of the idea, then you surely are the best person to go make it happen. And what a gift, because as I said earlier, it, it is a huge sense of satisfaction when you get to deliver on the thing when you get to pour yourself into something and truly get to deliver, I think that's a huge part of pride, uh, satisfaction, fulfillment. Um, it really is essential. Now, so therefore, uh, if we know that by default everyone's sort of a uh, kind of like that, it's really a question of how you can demonstrate your belief in others around you, how you can give them opportunities for ownership and how you can support them to take that ownership and that that's just such a such a great way to kind of wrap up this kind of series of thinking of you know taking ownership and full responsibility and understanding that if you do that it is essential that that comes to life in the way you work with others in your relationships and that's how you build trust because when they hit the ball to you you hit it back and there's a real sense of trust of delivery of momentum that you can count on each other. And if you do this yourself, you'll be unstoppable. It'll be infectious. And as a leader, every chance you get to give something to someone to own is serving their natural human nature. So you can delegate like crazy because people are hungry. You just got to do it in the right way. Who thought we'd get that much out of a few clips from Jocko Willink based on his book, Extreme Ownership, Mark? Pretty crazy, right?
1: Yo, I mean, it's just full of inspiring insights. You know, I'm reminded again of, you know, um, William H. McRaven. You know, he was Mm. all about teamwork as well and the power of coming together as a unit and inspiring one another and driving them forward. What I think Jocko's calling out here is, is similar but also slightly different. It's all about the teamwork, but only when you own that thing is mm. when a team really gels together, you know, mm. when, when you create that glue because you can trust one another. Oof, so valuable.
0: Big, powerful stuff. But I'll tell you something, Mark, that I'm taking ownership of right now is who we're going to feature next On the Moonshots podcast, we have covered, wait for this, 99 different innovators and leaders from all walks of life. And I mean, it's been pretty, pretty crazy, right?
1: Yeah, I can't believe that it's reached um, 99 already. (laughs) We've covered so many incredible powerhouses, entrepreneurs, innovators, and authors, as well as sports individuals and Mm. army navy seals uh singers architects i mean (laughs) mike the the range is is eclectic all these innovators that we can learn from and episode 100 mike it's around the corner
0: it certainly is and it is going to be a cracker but the question is what who are we going to study for the next hundred shows and we've got some ideas we've got Patrick Lencioni, who wrote the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, uh, Stephen Covey, Jordan Peterson, Derek Silver's Ryan Holiday, Christian Lagarde, um, famous directors David Attenborough, Jane Champion. There is a ton of amazing people, but I think we need some guidance here. We need some. We need someone to help us navigate this sea of innovators and and to help us ask the question: Who should be next on the show? So can you think of someone that could could
1: help us in I this think, quest? I think, Mike, we've got to look to our teammates. And and in this case, our teammates that we're gonna trust and and pass ownership to are you, our listeners. We wanna hear from you guys. We wanna hear what you've been thinking as we've been learning out loud together. And we wanna learn who you guys are reading and listening to. I've recently started getting into Ron Holliday, so I'm hoping that we'll we'll cover him very, very soon. Um, and I know Mike's got a list as long as his arm of, of authors that he's reading as well. But we want to hear from you guys. And Mike, we've just created a brand new way for our listeners to get in touch, haven't we? We
0: have. So if you just go to moonshots.io and you click on the feedback button, you can uh tell us everything uh that you like uh about your favorite episodes, your favorite innovators, and tell us who you like. Uh, who you're curious about, who you'd love to learn out loud with, who are the other innovators you'd like us to cover. So Mark, myself, the whole research team, we'll go deep uh, into the interwebs to find the very best thinking from your favorite innovators. So go to moonshots.io, tell us who do you want us to study? Who do you want to feature in the next episode of the Moonshots podcast? We'd
1: love to hear your feedback. At moonshots.io, I can't wait to hear what you listeners would like us to to get into, and and, and see by the time that we get to episode number two hundred, I wonder who we would have covered. I know, crazy to think, right?
0: Well, let's uh, let's return to uh, Jocko Willink and the book Extreme Ownership. What we're going to do now is focus on some practical tips and thinking about how we might delve into this extreme ownership universe and the first place we're going to start is understanding better what this idea of discipline looks like so let's have a listen to the man himself Jocko Willink
3: what does discipline really mean
0: you know besides waking up early and how do I employ it to all aspects of
3: my life what does it really mean Yes, discipline. It, it it does start with waking up early. It really does, but that is just the beginning. And I always say that discipline is the root of all good qualities, but you, you have to absolutely apply it to things outside of just waking up early. It's, it's everything. It's working out every day, making yourself stronger and faster and more flexible and healthier. Discipline is eating the right foods to fuel your system. It, it's about disciplining your emotions so you can make good decisions. It's about having the discipline to control your ego so your ego doesn't get out of hand and control you. It's about treating people the way you would want to be treated and and doing the tasks that you don't necessarily want to do but that you know will help you or help your team. It's about facing your fears. It takes discipline to face your fears so you can conquer them. And that's what discipline is. Discipline means taking the hard road, the uphill road to do what's right for yourself and for other people. It's so often the easy path the easy path it calls to us to be weak for that moment to break down for that moment to give in to the desire and the short-term gratification but the discipline will not allow that the discipline calls for strength and fortitude and will It won't accept weakness. It won't tolerate another breakdown. The discipline can seem like it's your worst enemy. But the reality is discipline is your best friend. It will take care of you like nothing else can. And it'll put you on that path the path to strength and health and intelligence and happiness. And most importantly, it'll put you on that path to freedom.
1: Oh, I mean, we got a lot of great, great items in there, Mike. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is easily clip of the day. Easily. Easily. Isn't that a wonderful clip? Whew. You know, it's again, stepping, it, it it just illustrates the value of digging into innovators in different spaces. We're not hearing from Jocker here what it is to be in our, uh, a Navy SEAL, you know, we're not getting into the, um, the kind of dirt of, of, of being in the war zone. What he's saying here is very, very mindful. You know, mm-hmm. he's talking about waking up, sure, but then he, he, Covers diet, he covers emotions, he covers ego, he covers I treating know. others how they want to be treated. You know this concept of discipline being your best friend, even <sighs> though it feels like your worst enemy. I mean, what a, <laughs> what, a what an incredibly um, conceptual idea that <sighs> he probably learned obviously through reading and so on, but also through actual hardcore experience, perhaps in the battlefield. And it's, it's true for us as well. You know, this instant gratification that you get with, whether it's social media, emails, Netflix, whatever it might be, and actually stepping away from it slightly and thinking, okay, well, let's actually have that discipline of embracing that obstacle, that challenge, that mm. because I know I'm going to get better. That reminds me of all many, many of the other innovators that we've covered recently.
0: I mean, it, it really does. I mean, there was so much there. I think the first thing that surprised me is that you often associate, in fact, you know, discipline, waking up early, doing some exercise, right? That's sort of discipline. But then he expands it on such a massive axis. <laughs> I mean, he's like literally being very stoic here. So, so if you are interested in, you know, this idea that the obstacle is in fact the way, uh, if you look up Stoicism, Marcus Aurelius, or uh, the book, The Obstacle is the Way. You'll find a lot more about that if you're, if you're interested in it. But to me, it almost takes me back to this idea, Mark, that you know if what you're doing is tough, if it feels hard and it's calling upon extra reserves, then it's kind of the right thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like if, if something is really tough, uh, like being disciplined, getting to bed early, waking up, uh, checking your ego at the door. Don't say that aggressive or that nasty thing. Be more considerate of others. Have the discipline. Even though the the, the bad, nasty side of you is dying to jump out, control it, right? Mm. So discipline can be your best friend even though it feels like your enemy. I think this mental awareness this ability to control, this discipline of oneself is at the very nucleus of being able to take ownership.
1: You can't take that ownership if you're constantly deflecting it away from yourself. That's right. If your ego is getting or your pride is getting in the way of you accepting and having awareness of, you know, these challenges around you being, um, changeable or, you you know, you being the solution to them. Mm. You can't, you can't learn and grow and and have that positive outcome. If you don't start with this, which we, we, which we, you know, we've just been listening to it's, Mm. I don't know. It's, it's an absolute corker.
0: It is, it is rich and it's, uh, it's, it's really the essential thing. Take the hard route, take the long-term route, defer gratification invest, 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 and be patient, it will come. I mean, this is a lesson that we see from many of the great athletes and, and many great entrepreneurs. But to, to kind of pivot away from uh, one lesson to another, another lesson that we see is that we are in this war with complexity, right? And what I love about Yoko is he's given us this big one around discipline but now he's got a really delightfully simple thought, uh, which is in fact about the idea of simplifying things in order to have a plan and be successful. So once again, let's return to Yoko Willink and talking about this very important idea of simplification.
3: Do this a lot. Guys will hit me up. Girls will hit me up. Uh, something went wrong with a client. I stepped in. I took ownership. They thanked me problem solved got it squared away. I can't people are surprised People are surprised that it works people are surprised that it works and again just to make sure everybody knows it, That that alone doesn't work you still have to problem solve the problem yeah. that you caused with the client right right you 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 gave them what they needed late or it's gonna be late and now you say hey, it's my fault that doesn't mean that you don't need to get it to an ASAP and make up some corrective measures and lower the price or do something so that it makes up for the problem. But the worst thing you can say is, well, you didn't specify exactly what you wanted in the order, and therefore we couldn't get you what you wanted on time. <laughs> okay, we're never coming back for business again, yeah. and we're angry this whole time, and I'm going to short you money when we pay you. And, anyways, if I pay, if you, I at pay all, you at all, the next time you get into a situation and you write down, or you take the, ex- the excuses and the reasons that you come up with, look at them, And then figure out how they were how those things were actually your fault and or how you could have prevented them Because a lot of times it's like here's 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 one Uh, Hey boss, we didn't get the mission accomplished because the weather Rolled in and we couldn't launch on the mission That's that's the problem now. We all know that we don't control the weather So when you so you write the problem down we failed the mission because we didn't control the weather we, we can't control the weather that's why we failed the mission. That's my excuse. That's a that's a logical reason it, it, There's that's that's a that's a legitimate excuse But don't use it What you do is you say what could I have done? To have controlled the weather. Okay. I know. Okay, okay. Okay, wait. I can't control the weather. What could I have done? I could have come up with a contingency plan. I could have come up We could have staged in a better place. So then you go to the boss and you say look boss Here's what happened the weather went south really bad that was a problem but it's a problem that I should have done a better job taking care of what I should have done was I should have had a contingency plan I should have staged closer to the target area that I could have taken vehicles instead of helicopters that's my fault from now on I will absolutely have a secondary plan this won't happen again we can't control the weather but we can control how we plan and how we execute and this won't happen again
1: Battlefield tips for the office. It, it, it like again, it's just such a great practical um, nod to how we can all own the problem and come up with the solution at the same time. I've I've yeah. missed missed the target maybe, but it's okay because here's what I've learned and what I'll do differently next time. You know, again, it's kind of reminding me of, um, you know, Taleb when he was telling us about. Uh, the benefits of uncertainty and embracing that, that that challenge. You know, we've covered so many innovators and authors who who really are kind of targeting us in this way, aren't we, Mike? Mm. You know, identify that problem, but don't point fingers or try and blame others. Instead, just think, okay, well, that's cool. What can I learn from it?
0: Yeah, the, the big piece of um, the way to take ownership Sort of after some of these fundamental thoughts that we've had about discipline, um, about relationships and trust and so forth, the big part that you will discover in this book is he talks about planning and always having a plan B and a plan C. You know, we're often uh, finding ourselves, as he told that situation, you know, oh, yeah, uh, in our workplace uh, or even on the sports field, you know, we had a plan to do it like this but then something happened and we couldn't do it. So the classic thing is in a sports fixture if it's outdoors oh it was raining well why wouldn't you have at least three game plans for a rainy uh, a rainy day right the key here is that plan plan ahead have lots of different uh alternatives like be prepared uh, because this comes back to something they said in the very very first clip things will go wrong so part of ownership is actually being ready for that. And, you know, you watch any of these um, documentaries, uh, there's, a, there's a great series on Amazon Prime called All or Nothing, where they follow a season of a, of a professional sporting team, either a, a football team in in the United Kingdom or an American NFL team. And what's so amazing is how much hardship these teams go through Even though they are these glorious, celebrated, multi-million dollar uh, players and clubs and teams and brands, they go through so much unexpected uh, hardship. For example, injuries. So-and-so's out. Oh, my gosh, key player. And um, what's so interesting is what Jocko is proposing to us. This is always going to happen. And ownership is not just raising your hand when it didn't go right, but being ready being prepared for things not going right and having plan B, plan C. I think this is a really big takeaway uh, from, from the book Extreme Ownership is don't just go in with one plan.
1: Have a number of plans and therefore you can bounce around and, and be flexible with it. What a great tip from Jocko. Uh, I think that's, that's a fantastic bit of advice, Mike. But... I must admit, I have another potential piece of advice coming from Jocko that might even be something incredibly actionable and practical, Mike. And I'm, let's—I'm very—I'm very keen to hear it. But can can it tip?
0: Can it beat uh, the discipline? The discipline clip that we played just earlier, because for me that was clip of the day. So, what do you reckon, Mike? Is this this next and final clip is this? going to be a challenger, a contender for Clip of the Day?
1: I think this next clip, which is going to be our outro clip on episode 99 on Jocko Willink, is going to be a contender. This one is all about difficulties and dealing with challenges in our day-to-day lives and remembering that sometimes these things are in our control with regards to how we respond to it. So this final clip from Jocko Willink, is he's going to tell us the best advice he's ever heard.
3: How do I deal with setbacks, failures, delays, defeat, or other disasters? I actually have a fairly simple way of dealing with these situations. It is actually one word to deal with all those situations. And that is good. This is actually something that one of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, pointed out to me. And he he would call me up or me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on. And he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally, one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem. And he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I said, well, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say good. And I said, well, yeah. And, and I mean it. And that is how I feel. When things are going bad, there's gonna be some good that's gonna come from it. Oh, mission got canceled? Good, we can focus on another one. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good, we can keep it simple. Didn't get promoted? Good, more time to get better. Didn't get funded? Good, we own more of the company. Didn't get the job you wanted? Good. You can get more experience and build a better resume. Got injured. Got injured. Sprained my ankle. Good. Needed a break from training. Got tapped out. Good. It's better to tap in training than to tap out on the street. Got beat. Good. You learned. Unexpected problems. Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. And that's it. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out, don't get startled, don't get frustrated. No, you just look at the issue and you say, good. And lastly, if you can say the word good, guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well then hell, you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out on the attack. And that right there is about as good as it gets.
0: Whew. The only thing that I can really say to that clip is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> What a what a powerhouse close to the show Mark oh my gosh that was awesome wasn't it
1: Yeah it's good a response to every challenge you know it's it's a classic i think lesson that a lot of us grew up on thinking about things on the positive side of life and you know this is just a one word response that you can have to any problem that comes along yeah. you get locked out of your house you get a bad email it starts to rain good just change <laughs> your mindset uh, in, yes. From a very, very elemental way. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. I like it. Good. Good. Oh,
0: Mark, I mean, what What an epic, what a Titanic show from Jocko Willink. What, when you sit back now, what's, what's the biggest takeaway for you?
1: I think this acceptance of discipline, I think, is a really, really valuable lesson that we've learned. I think ownership, you and I, are we've called it out a lot and our listeners um, have probably heard us called out this idea of communication and ownership a a lot in the past. But I think that's really, really coming through in every clip that we've had. Obviously, the book is all about extreme ownership, but especially in the discipline one, because you're challenging yourself. You're not looking to others to change you. The discipline is all in your own mindset. You're changing Mm. your ego, your pride, your ability to accept criticism as well as challenges and reappropriating it, reappropriating it in a way that is positive for those around you as well as yourself. That that for me, I think is is, is an absolute powerhouse of a of a lesson. What about you, Mike?
0: Um, I'm I'm going to go with like discipline as like 360 degrees. Like mm-hmm. it's it's more than just waking up. And it's it's a, you know something for for how you think, how you behave, how you feel. Um, it's 360 man. That was that was huge. That was really really huge, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. 360 degree all around us. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Mark, look, thank you ever so much for for helping me navigate through this very dense Action-packed, extreme ownership idea. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I, I love digging into slightly different authors and innovators and and teachers that we can learn lessons from. And you know, there's no one different, more different than the the powerhouse and enthusiasm, Jocko.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. And listen, are you fired up for our centenary show next week? Uh, are you? Uh, it's going to be an
1: action-packed show too, right? Yeah, it's going to be a big, big show. We are following a similar structure, Mike. Actually, I don't know how much to, to give away to our listeners, but you know, you and I have a pretty interesting strategy and, and show structure in place. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for our listeners, um, for those new ones, as well as those who are returning to us uh, episode after episode. So I hope we're, we're going to have an absolute, uh, not just good, but great
0: well on that note mark i'm so fired up about next week but for now i want to say thank you thank you to you mark thank you to all of our listeners who have been joining us here on the moonshots podcast where we are learning out loud and boy did we get some extreme ownership turbocharging done today so i hope all of you uh can unpack what we've learned from yoko willing to take responsibility just take it 100% and build trust with everyone around you and in your relationships with, with them because you know that sort of behavior it's infectious ownership is infectious and what happens is this gives you the chance to believe in those around you to give them an opportunity to own it and that starts every single day not only with the discipline to get out of bed a discipline in everywhere, everything, and every way possible. So make sure you've got a plan and you better have a plan B because if you do all of those things, if we can learn out loud from Yoko Willing, then we can truly enjoy life and we will know that it is good. So that's it from the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.